0: Welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 104. I'm your co-host Mike Parsons and I'm joined by the collaborative mind himself, Mark Bearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. This is an exciting
1: day. I can feel collaboration, I can feel communication and I can feel intelligence coming down your mic and into my ears.
0: I should bloody hope so. <laughs> no, but Mark, how good is this? I mean, we are, we are really taking a bit of a twist and a turn on our teamwork series today, aren't we? Teamwork series so
1: far has been really interesting for me. We started with Mr. Patrick Lencioni and he was fantastic, wasn't he, Mike, at breaking down mm. a lot of things that I guess we took for granted in the way that we function as teams particularly nowadays where our teams are spread all over the world, it's sometimes a little bit hard to almost take a pause and think, okay, well, what actually is the definition of a good team? and What are these dysfunctions Mm. that maybe I'm aware of, but maybe I don't do anything about because I just assume they're natural? And that was a a really good, fun, uh, deep dive, I thought, that that we did with Patrick into what's that DNA of a good team. And off Mm. the back of that, we started thinking, okay, well, What are those personality traits and behavioral profiles of a good team player? And that was a fantastic, almost mirror up to ourselves, wasn't it, Mike? Of thinking, okay, well, (laughs) are we good team players? How do we celebrate those around us?
0: Do Do you know some of the teamwork stuff has actually been a bit kind of uncomfortable, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it has because, again, a lot of us have been in our careers for, for, for many, many years. And I think those behaviors and communication lines that I guess we all have, mm. we, we, we haven't really changed. And actually, fundamentally, the way that we've all done, uh, done business, especially recently, has changed. But mm. our, our methods of maybe communicating or being team players with those around us, as well as overseas and so on, is probably not performing 10 out of 10. And I think there's a lot that we can learn about that. And I think that's what's been yeah. really, really interesting so far with at least Patrick.
0: The 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 interesting thing that Abby Wambach, um, the amazing soccer player and superstar in general, both her and Patrick really challenged us on themes of humility um, as being really essential um, to... Contributing to a team and getting the most out of a team. And I'm I'm gonna say, I think we're gonna take that idea of collaboration and teamwork to a whole another level in this show.
1: Yeah, this show building off the back of Abby Wombach, and she was telling us about vulnerability and leading from the bench, which again is is something that I just absolutely love. Today, Mike, we're getting into a pretty, a pretty fantastic level of thinking from uh, a couple of different authors that, uh, you know, we got excited to, to dig into, haven't
0: we? Yeah, we do. We're almost going to do some thinking about thinking.
1: <laughs> We're going to do some thinking about thinking with our favorite uh, new authors, Dawna Markova and Angie MacArthur, and their book, Collaborative Intelligence, or with a subheader, Thinking with People Who Think Differently.
0: Ooh. Mm. Yeah, I think there's there's so much inside of this. I, I, what I want to do is um because we're taking quite a pivot here in the series, why don't you why don't you pitch me why you think this this kind of collaborative intelligence uh route, why why does this matter? Why is this important cuz we don't speak about it much.
1: Well, we don't because again, I I believe that we sort of take it for granted and maybe we've even got our uh, blinkers on, so we just say, "Oh yeah, we, we can collaborate." I'm a good collaborator. If the team, if the work doesn't work, it's because of somebody else, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and I think what's what's fascinating about the collaborative intelligence book is actually saying, "Okay, well, we can all learn something. We can all and we should dig into our our personality traits, our behaviours, our attitudes, and really." Uh, listen to McCover and MacArthur, who are experts at getting people to collaborate together by sharing their, their minds, sharing their brains and sharing their thinking power. And for me, well, it's,
0: it, it's, it's the modern way of working, right? Like yeah, that's the, the more, case that, that, that they're making to us. It's like, how else is modern business done? You know, it's, it's people coming together with ideas and facts and insights and trying to work out a way forward from there I mean that's what every day feels like for me
1: yeah, every day now is is digital you know mm-hmm. the, the meetings that we do face to face with our customers and, and teammates are uh, much fewer and far between than ever ever before so this book is is a real map or a real call to action to say okay well let's actually Unlock the potential Mm. of getting this right, and the results will be far greater than we've probably assumed before.
0: That sounds awesome. So, Mark, where do we start on on an adventure into collaborative intelligence? Where do we start thinking about thinking? We've got to start
1: thinking about thinking and collaboratively uh, consume intelligence by actually hearing from the authors themselves. We want to hear from the authors tell us how to not waste your intellectual capital.
2: The moment for me when I became really fascinated by this issue happened about 17 years ago. We were at Sundance Resort working with an international global team. And there were CEOs and CFOs and CMOs from all over. We calculated that it costs them on average about $5,000 an hour to think with one another. And I grew up internationally myself. I grew up overseas. And so I really understood diversity from the angle of race, culture, sex. But what I found apparent in that room was thinking diversity, and they were not using it. Instead, they were using it to argue with one another, to argue who was right, to talk over one another. There was this long pine table in the center of the room, and I swear that was the only thing separating one person from another from coming over the table. And I'm sure you've all experienced meetings like that. And then Donna did a remarkable thing. She stood up, and she went to the back of the room as if to leave, and she paused in the doorframe, and she asked this group. It was about 13 people, I think. Is this the highest and best use of your time? You have an incredible amount of intellectual capital in this room. Are you using it? And she went to leave. And they all turned towards each other and stunned, just in that one question realized, no, in fact, they weren't. So I became fascinated exploring this question with Donna, how do we collaborate and how do we really create the conditions that enable collaboration to take place? So I loved your answer because a lot of it is recognizing what thinking do we have in the room and what we have in the book, we have looked at four different strategies that help us look at the four different Types of thinking that we can become awareness because when we think of collaboration when it's not working usually it's the things many of these things that we don't have control over we don't have control over the other person's attitude we don't have control over how they think but the more with which we can understand the thinking diversity or the different gifts and talents that people are bringing into the room the wider bandwidth we have And the reason I believe this is so important, it is our, right now we're changing jobs almost every three years. And the challenges that we all face are so complex that unless we really understand how to harness the thinking diversity in the room, we're just not going to be able to solve the issues that we have to have to solve. And so what we consider being able to think with a wide range of people is really a a type of currency. The more diversity that you can think with, the greater capacity you have. And I've just spent the last, Five nights with almost a hundred millennials at each of these events that we've been hosting for each night, and they are so hungry to learn this because they realize that they may never meet that business partner that they're working with because they're in Afghanistan or they're in India, and so to really understand what type of thinking you need and what type of thinking others bring to the table is really a new critical currency. Ooh,
0: a critical. Currency mark, like that is so spot on because do you know, as she was talking right then, the funniest thing that came to my mind is how little I really, uh, think about how the people around me in a meeting, in a work session think and what I could do to accommodate their thinking. Um, I found that quite challenging, didn't you?
1: Yeah, because the way that I guess I've gone into my, the way that I've always behaved in my career, when we've got meetings, collaborative sessions, workshops, rapid prototyping sessions and so on, I'll set up a room or an area in the way that I want, <laughs> the, way that I, <laughs> the way that I think, hey, I, I, I reckon everyone's going to want water. Here are the chairs. Let's have paper let's have something on screen let's do this let's do that let's set the temperature here let's gather all of our pens and so on and so forth but actually where we're where we're dragging ourselves here with this concept of collaborative intelligence is actually well that way might not be right for everyone it's good for me sure but
0: that's right somebody
1: else might not want the chairs they might want yes no table (laughs) they might not want the screen it might be distracting
0: Well, we almost, we we try to cater to the personality of the individual, right? Their general working style, right? Like you tend to like, is this a big ideas person? Is this a logic person? Or maybe is this a structured person? But we don't think about what intellectual styles, what intelligence uh, approaches different people can have. And I found myself uh, uh, feeling quite vulnerable because I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't really think nearly enough about these sorts of things. It makes me wonder about like, well, okay, what are the models? What are the maps? And how might I create the conditions for the very best ideas to come out of of the session? Having said that, I think we might have some answers to those questions. What do you think, Mark?
1: We do. I think today we're going to dig into that level of thinking. You know, it kind of feels like we're building on top of Patrick Lencioni's ideal team player. He had those three personality traits. And today with Dorna and Angie, let's really almost add another layer to that, Mike. So the mm. first uh, or the next clip, I should say, is actually hearing from, from Dorna describe where she and Angie have um, started to explore particular mind patterns and behaviors within their book, Collaborative Intelligence. So this next clip that we're going to hear is Donna describing the three states of attention.
2: One of the strategies that we talk about in collaborative intelligence is mind patterns. And this is understanding the different ways in which your own mind thinks, learns, and communicates. There are three different states of attention, open, sorting, and focused. And our minds are quickly shifting into these three different states. What most people don't know is that there are three languages of thought auditory, kinesthetic, and visual. And each of us are triggered into those different states of attention through these three languages of thought. So how this translates into work is that person that is up pacing in the back of the meeting room is in fact moving to help their minds think more attentively. That person who's highly distracted in a cubicle setting, it's because auditory information for them is triggering them into an open state of attention. We constantly, without knowing this, misread one another and therefore misinterpret behaviors and actions. By understanding your own mind pattern, you can intentionally shift from a focus to a sorting to an open state of attention. And by understanding the mind patterns of those around you, you can learn to read behaviors and help them take care of how to think well with you and with one another.
0: There was a lot in that, Mark. Um, <laughs> the first thing that got me is, okay, so so we've got to map some of this um, this kind of stuff. So the first thing I heard there was this auditory, visual and kinesthetic uh, types of thinking, right? So help me understand, what, what's the, what are these three things doing? How do, how do these three work?
1: Well, I think if I'm breaking it down um, into how I would you know, potentially interact with those three different concepts. You know, auditory is audio. It's hearing. It's assuming, Mm -hmm. or sorry, consuming Mm -hmm. thoughts, ideas, and brainstorming sessions via your ears. So for me, that's pretty good, but actually it's it's very easy to drift off, isn't it? It's very easy Mm. to, you know, hear something, consume it like a podcast or a speech, and actually it kind of washes over you. The next Mm. bit is more visual. And I'm a little bit more visual in the way that, that I try and, um, imagine things in my head. Like when you're learning a language, you want to learn it out loud and, and put it on a board or whatever it is. So visual, um, mm-hmm. is all about seeing things in front of you. Kinesthetic is actually something a little bit more interesting for me. And perhaps it's something it is, that I haven't right? really been aware of before. Yeah. It's, it's more hands-on. It's physical. Um, You know, the examples that the book goes into is musicians, athletes, something about construction. You know, I guess it's kind of like prototyping. It's building Mm. something with your hands.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, And particularly where, where that clip was going was you're standing up, you're moving around, perhaps you're interacting with something. For me, I've never, to be honest, really considered it as a third bucket. I've always assumed audio and visual, but actually this kinesthetic one, I love. <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: well I mean it's this idea of applied learning, learning through doing or to build it out um uh, it's it's really people who c- explore concepts um through manifesting them. So some people are very cerebral and can just enjoy um the the consideration others are like no no I need to build something here. Um and so that's very interesting. But then, well, hang on. Before we go into the other uh, thought, which is around attention here, let's, let's really take the time mm. to break down what they've just said. So the first thing they're saying, like, there's three types of learning. You know, there's um, audio, visual, and kinesthetic. What's interesting is um, to now sort of build some tools together, like what fits which type of mm. learning. So, you know, posters and mind maps. are are great ways for visual learning, right? So if you're together with people, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think um, question and answer, um, I think um, sounds, uh, songs, um, uh, anything um, that brings something to life through sound. Um, What's interesting is you nailed it. I think reenacting role play, prototyping, getting outside is a kinesthetic way of, of learning. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think the way that I, I like to collaborate with with you, Mike, and, and any of our customers is using whiteboards. You know, yep. it's, it's, it's maybe getting up, it's putting something up and maybe rubbing it out or drawing different arrows, you know, somehow trying to visualize
0: the journey yep. of the map. And I, I you're believe- a mind. You're, you're, I think you're a bit of a mind mapper, aren't you? I you're think very I'm a visual. Bit, yeah.
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Where, where do you sit, Mike? I'm probably blended audio-visual with just a sprinkle on the kinesthetic. Mm. Um, I'm. I am a bit restless as a thinker, yeah. Um, yeah. so I would probably um, you know go around there. But I mean. What's interesting is like those three different types of learning. I mean, even if you just start a meeting by saying, I wonder who the person or the people that I'm with, are they audio, visual, kinesthetic learners? And how should I design the agenda to support their, their learning? But this wasn't all, this is just one clip. This is crazy. Yeah. But, but, but they also talked about these three different types of attention. Um, did you right. pick up on that one? Yeah, I I did, and again, um, we could
1: spend I, I think the whole the whole show just talking about this one clip, couldn't we, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> because you're right, there are uh, these three different layers of attention, three different types that collaborative intelligence goes into, and that's focus and focused. There's sorting, and then oh. there's open. So focused sorting. Open.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Slow down here. So, what we did before this was the styles of learning. Now, what they're proposing—these are the styles of attention. That's right? right? How you apply your attention. So, it's not how you are actually learning, but it's how you engage. I guess, right? Yeah. To, to to build on that, it's actually
1: what type of if if you. So, do you remember? linciani would tell us, okay. Well, these are the personality traits of team players, where collaborative intelligence goes. Is okay. Well, what's actually your uh, personality trait of your own behavior. So to almost go a level deeper into your actual psyche and these three stages of attention for me are, okay, well, what type of attention do you have? Focused, if we break them down a little bit, let me try and pitch them to you, Mike, Mm -hmm. focused, I think is you're able to ignore everything around you and you're able to just give a task at hand, your absolute full attention. Maybe Mm -hmm. that task is learning something new, or maybe it's writing a good uh, pitch or email or whatever it is. But it's really, it's like putting on a telescope and just focusing on that one thing. Sorting, attention is being able to interchange between, I think, maybe internal or external distractions. Um, Maybe you can see, it's like the devil's advocate. You can see, right, this is how one person could see it, and this is how another person could see it. This is how our customers could see it this is how our clients could see it and maybe i think that sorting attention is better for people when you've got to make that decision you're got right. to be in a decisive place and that final yes. one open attention is uh, maybe a little bit more around the original thinkers that i think you know adam grant was was telling us about uh, in some of our earlier shows looking at an old problem or a current problem and rethinking it remembering old things learning from perhaps um Maybe it's mistakes or maybe it's behaviors of other products, customers, colleagues, and thinking about what you've done in the past as a new approach to something in the future.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So let me let me pitch you this. It's almost like our attention is um, how we, it's really a different way of saying how we engage. So we maybe we're a visual or an auditory style of learner. Like that's the model that we use, but we go through these modalities: uh, focused, sorting, or open. So the way I'm relating to this is sometimes my attention is very open, particularly when I, um, for example, I'm um, I'm actually I'm doing a a talk tomorrow, and I've got an outline of the talk, classic Mike Parson style here. Don't 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 you worry, I've planned ahead. <laughs> <laughs> But I've been really thinking about um, sort of very openly about uh, the idea. I was very focused. I came up with about five kind of key points that I'd like to, to share with the audience. Um, and what I need to do now is go through some sorting process to kind of clean up the different ideas. So it's very interesting that the, the way I've been thinking actually moves through each of these three types of attention. I like that. Isn't that interesting?
1: That is great, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Now, now, as you as you, as we sort of process that, I think it's really important to mention that we've got in one clip, we've got so much. We've talked so <laughs> much about it. I want to remind everyone that they can go to a certain place where we have all of the show notes. Uh, there's a ton of our entire back catalog, all the show notes. And plenty more. And this can all be found on one little place out there on the internet. Can't it, Mark?
1: Yeah, based on the collaborative intelligence and and recommendations of you, our listeners, um, we're gradually growing that catalogue. But if you want to go and revisit any of our our previous shows, all 104 shows are live up on a little destination called www.moonshots.io. As you say, Mike, There's a treasure trove of show notes, transcripts, all 104 shows, as well as some valuable mantras that uh, I like to say I I check out most days, as well as um, a way for you listeners uh, to to get in touch with us, make some recommendations on who you like us to learn out loud Mm. with.
0: Mm. now we've we've been getting quite a few suggestions for future shows um you know coming up we're going to uh explore an amazing person uh called kyle maynard we've got our rising star series and then perfect for the new year we will have a deep four-part series on ryan uh, holiday a great thinker and, and writer and there's so much more but we are getting some great Feedback from folks about who they would like us to cover in future shows, right?
1: Yeah, we're getting loads of great, great comments, and and one particular um, input that one of our listeners has provided us, Mike, actually, that I'd quite like to quickly call out is um, somebody who's actually an anonymous. So uh, hopefully they'll be listening and they'll remember um, leaving a, a little point of view. And somebody said, "Okay, well, I love hearing these these classics these big, big thinkers, um, you know, the big heavy hitters of Simon Sinek, Eric Reese, Jim Collins, and so on. But actually, when you and I dig into some of the slightly perhaps lesser known authors, um, Mm -hmm. academics, but who have, you know, really good practical insights that we can learn from for an entrepreneur and leadership perspective, that's valuable. People are really liking the um, series when actually we go into people who are slightly off the the beaten track, so to speak.
0: Well, so- that is exactly what the, the 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 discussion that we had as a team about uh, Donna Markova and Angie MacArthur, who've done this great work, but they're certainly off the beaten track compared to you know the Synex, the Jim Collins of mm. this world. And it is so great to hear from you, our listeners. Um, that you really enjoy these because we're always deliberating like, okay, this one's a bit out there. Um, will people be open to that or do they want us, you know, do they prefer it when we stay to to more of the classics? So we really appreciate the listener that gave us that feedback. It's really important because we, we know we're hitting the spot. But now that we've talked so much about these different styles of thinking and being collaborative in the way we think, What's really important is to understand how we trigger these different states of attention. So once again, let's go to our powerhouses of collaborative intelligence.
3: My research was that different things in different people trigger these different states of attention. So in George Bush's mind, I can't resist, I'm sorry. It's the last thing, I got to do it. George Bush's mind, auditory information, remember Donald Trump, it makes his mind like this. George Bush, auditory information is like this. So every time Donald Trump comes at him with words and he's supposed to come back with quick little... He can't. His brain is in this state. It's like, duh, state. So if they knew what you're all going to know when you finish reading our book, they'd do much better collaborating with each other, but of course that's not what they want to do. And when somebody pretends like... George Bush has nothing to do with politics, but George Bush is trying to talk like Donald Trump. I mean, what? Jeb Bush. I'm sorry. Well, George, it's the same, but, right, but not the same. And he, it's the same. Auditory, to both of them. That's why George Bush was famous for all the things he said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so Jeb is being trained and being trained to be auditorily assertive. It's not natural to him. So it doesn't come across as being natural to him. So these form these different states of attention and the different triggers of attention, which is visual, auditory, that means words and sounds, and kinesthetic, which means movement, experience, taste, and smell, in different ones of us trigger different states of attention. It's really not so complex. We create musical instruments. They all play music, but you play each one differently. You don't blow on a violin and expecting to get music out. But the assumption we make about the human brain, and I've been trying to get this message across for 50 years, the assumption that we make is that all brains are violins and process information in the same way.
1: All brains are not created equal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, think, I think what's what's nice, and obviously we did a deep dive into each of those um, just before that clip, but what I like about revisiting it just a little bit there is that it reminds us that people are different and it reminds yeah. us, you know, as you were saying, Mike, you're a bit of a blend for me, maybe I'm, I'm on one scale or, or the other, and it's, it's valuable. Maybe, maybe a way as I'm thinking about this, and when we get back into a room where we can collaborate with our customers face to face in a, in quite a big um, prototyping way is to actually not only dig into what their personality types are, but this level of attention and behavior and their triggers f- through the form of perhaps a survey or a questionnaire mm. just to understand what they're like. So then your time with them is more
0: productive, collaborative. And Yeah, I mean, it, it comes back to that, that thought that we had earlier, which is like, oh my gosh, take a moment and think about the thinking styles in the room with mm. you at that time, like it, it really reminds me of, of like, do your homework on, on yeah. how, do, how do the people in this room think? And so because what, what, she, what Donna was really saying there is if you don't have the appropriate mix of audiovisual and kinesthetic, then you actually won't grab their attention. You've got
1: to be aware and care, <laughs> you know, be aware of those different individuals and their, their ways but also care about it because you know yeah it'll make them feel better in the meeting and they'll collaborate better yeah you will get a better result as well
0: yeah and this really leads us to you know just being this idea of being able to work with others that are a bit different and um in fact uh Donna actually takes this thinking to another level she you know we often talk about having diversity um in the room and you know we'll do our best and maybe we think of that as, you know, the color of people's skin or, you know, their social and lifestyle preferences, whatever it is. But you know what? She's going to challenge us now and get us to think about the following concept, which is the diversity of thinking.
2: Angie, you talked about people being you know collaborating with people who are very different you kept emphasizing every time we said
3: very different so what it, how does it compare is it easier to collaborate so it's very different or a little different and uh, you do differently
2: both and awarenesses and how they show up for you so when collaborating well I mean, it, it, and it also depends on what you're trying to do. So the, the end result. So to use your example of when you had a lot of people who were diverse, you described people from marketing, you described people who were very process oriented. In In that situation, because of the diversity, you'll probably end up with a better holistic view because you have many different perspectives. However, if the Uh, task is to come up with a plan to execute on something, then you want people who are all very highly procedural because that will make it more efficient. It's harder to hold the diversity and there's different ways of recognizing diversity. And what makes it difficult is just our inability to recognize um, when someone's thinking is different than ours and we attribute it to personality or we attribute it to attitude or things that, again, are out of our control. So, or they may remind us of a mother we didn't like or a teacher we didn't like. And so when we get stuck with someone, we tend to leave you know fight flight or freeze those are the three ways and so that's where the holding the space for the and and that's when moving into inquiry for me it's it's when i when i experience those moments where you know that it's not you're not collaborating. Whatever the opposite is, and we haven't found the word that means the opposite of collaboration. Difficult. Yeah, when some when you when diff when when you start to see differences as difficult, is I start moving into asking a lot of different questions, especially questions that aren't natural to me, because it they may be natural to the person that I'm trying to achieve connection with, and therefore I can. Well,
1: that last bit there, I think, is really, really. Um, agree. Valuable for me. I agree you know not only are they are, are they both calling out you know embrace these difficulties embrace um you know diversity but actually if you have a a challenge or something doesn't quite work for you instead of um you know perhaps turning away from it or ignoring it or thinking nah that's not important it could be that somebody else around the table or the metaphorical table um does believe in that they do have a good point of view or, a, or a build on top of that. I, I like that as a reminder, Mike, that, you know, it's very easy to focus on the subjectivity in, in anything in our lives, but actually having this reminder to say to the colleagues and customers around you, Hey, what do you think? Uh, I struggle with X. What do you think of X mm. and gradually, um, getting those diverse point of views can, can enrich an idea. What, what, what did, what did that clip mean to you, Mike?
0: Oh, I loved it because it's uh, it's actually connected to this theme that we saw a lot with like the Goggins and Joe Rogan, which was embracing discomfort, Mm. but that was obviously much more from, you know, an entrepreneurial challenge or even physical workout style discomfort. But what is fascinating, Mark, is Literally, what we're hearing right there is MacArthur and Markova are literally saying embrace the discomfort of the mind. So when you're in a meeting and you're working on something with your colleagues and you hear something that doesn't work for you, don't reject the message, don't reject the person, but know that this is a great opportunity to actually build because if you can hold on to those tough conversations and if you can work through them, um, this is how you take the, you know, this collective or collaborative intelligence to a higher level. And I liked your point, Mark, because I think the way to do it is say, okay, knowing that you're like thinking to yourself, WTF, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Hold yourself, just be comfortable, right? Don't run away from it. Just be comfortable and say, look, can anybody build on this idea from Joe Blogs over here? And I think that's the moment where you can get the diversity working for you. What do you think?
1: Yeah, yeah. Instead of, you know, thinking, nah, rubbish, we've already tried that, it doesn't work. Instead of thinking, okay, well, why do you want to revisit it? Pitch it to yes. me. Pitch me yeah. why this could work and maybe you're right because, you know, you've got a different point of view, different background, different career, different experience, different way of thinking to, to me, and that's so valuable.
0: Mm. It's really quite interesting how, how if you think about it, if someone comes up with like a, what seems to be a, a very um, radical thought or not based in fact from our perception, how we often reject not only the idea, but we say, oh, don't bring so-and-so to the meeting. They're crazy. Yeah. Right? It's, we find it very frustrating, right?
1: Yeah. It's,
0: and it's that's crazy. where that's where you get the group thing because you just bring the people that will kind of go with the flow and not create this healthy tension, which is something that Lencioni talks about all the time. You've got to find a way to have tough conversations, to argue but to respect each other, and and I think this is kind of where they're going with this uh, diversity of thinking. You have got to find a way to get comfortable in the uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, I, and I I like the um, or oh, the the connection that you've made going back to some of our our team um, our sports mm. series. Mm. You know, I think the connection to the physical element of all of that, the diversity, or oh, sorry, the discomfort that you have. On a physical side, you're right. Mm. Embrace it in the, in the um, cerebral space as well.
0: Yeah, and just to go really kind of meta moonshots for a moment here, what I think it, this is telling us is that mind, body or soul getting comfortable with discomfort seems to be such an important thing because everybody's basically saying uh, we are trained to survive, which in some cases is not the best. Because when someone is arguing with us, when someone is being egotistical with us, or whether we're enduring physical hardship, we stop, we run away, and we don't reject it. We don't get um, through it. So much of the time, hardship uh, is an excuse to stop. And what's really interesting is what I am seeing both here in this book. Um, collaborative intelligence, what Markova and MacArthur are pitching us is just like in your body and just like with your emotions, in your mind, you need to get comfortable with discomfort because that is at the heart of diverse thinking is getting, uh, knowing, acknowledging this is a bit tricky. I'm not going to indulge my fight or flight instincts. I'm just going to hold that and I'm just going to work through it. But for me, Mark, what I want to pitch to you is that seems to be the pattern, whether it's athlete, entrepreneur, academic, holding on to this discomfort and working through it and not just running for the hills because it's too hard.
1: This is the cold shower in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the Vim Hof. It's the Vim it Hof. The- <laughs> yeah, it's the diversity. It's it's waking up those capillaries and your body senses, mm-hmm. uh, but on a on a cerebral and um, behavioral perspective. I, th- I think mm-hmm. you're right. This is a real moonshot trait that we're seeing in so many of these innovators and individuals that we've covered over the past 104 shows.
0: Indeed, and listen, Mark, we have still <laughs> got. So many goodies uh, around this collaborative intelligence. Um, if there was before we get to those, because there's a lot, let's let's just pivot for a moment. And um, if there was one thing you could ask our listeners to do to help us share this show with more people around the world, Mark, what would you ask them to do?
1: I would love our listeners to go into their, let's say it's Apple Podcasts. Feel free to leave us a rating or a review. Uh, pop along to moonshots.io and get in touch with us. Give us some feedback. Maybe share the show with your friends and family. Um, just because what we're starting to see is we're popping up in loads of interesting charts from around the world. And that's really down to you, our listeners, mm. sharing it, listening to it, and learning out loud along with me and Mike. And the only way to really grow that um, circle of uh, education <laughs> and diverse minds is through our listeners um, sharing it with one another.
0: Totally, totally. And it's so, so rewarding and satisfying to see us being, you know, really popular in our, in our home countries, mm. Australia and Great Britain. Uh, thank you to all our listeners from there. But equally, we welcome... Some amazing communities and parts of the world with us. We've got Ghana, Cambodia, Uzbekistan. That is the coolest stuff, and it really does make my day. It's so wonderful to be learning out loud together, to sharing what we can uncover from great people. And I think um, Donna Markova and Angie MacArthur are teaching us a lot, Mark. So we're on the home stretch. Where should we twist and turn next?
1: Well, we've, those previous clips we've heard are all about knowing ourselves, thinking about my mind patterns and my states of attention, and the value of really figuring it out and knowing and understanding my styles and talents, and um, this idea of accepting and embracing discomfort and diversity. So now, Mike, let's think about okay, well, how do we actually put this into action as part of a team? And the next clip we've got is. Um, Donna telling us a little bit about why collaboration has become the most important skill for all of us to now know.
2: And then this is our definition of how we define collaborative intelligence. After exploring this issue deeply for the last two and a half years writing this book, Donna and I came up with the definition of collaborative intelligence is the measure of our ability to think with others on behalf of what matters to us all. And to access that intelligence, we must learn to dignify one another's differences in how we think and use them to face complex challenges. So, why this is so important now is because we've all been trained and educated for what we call a market share economy. This is where things have value, where we're all trying to be the smartest person in the room because that means we're going to get promoted. And what we're shifting to is this mind share economy. This is where I, value is based on ideas. In a market share economy, if I have one thing and I give it to Donna, then she has two things and I've lost that one thing. And that creates a whole mental set around that. In a mind share economy, if I have one idea and Donna has one idea and we collaborate, then we actually both walk away with two new ideas. A financial model that exemplifies this is Airbnb. Currently, they are outselling every other major hotel chain per night per hotel room, yet they do not own one hotel room. So we're starting to see all these new models that are using a mindshare mindset in order to create a whole economy based on it, but it takes a shift, and in fact, we actually need both, but what we don't know how to do is create this mindshare mindset, which is based on fully collaborating.
0: So I gotta say that was a bit of a ju- jump claiming that um, <laughs> that Airbnb was the result of collaborative intelligence, but I do. Get what they're trying to say about that was a that was a big claim, don't you think <laughs> well yeah I, I think it's I, I I guess the visual
1: um again, you know going back to the states of of uh, attention, the way that my visual brain is is bringing to life is the idea of connecting individuals and owners i e um, thinkers, i suppose um, together and saying right, Mike wants to find a place, Mark happens to have that place. Let's connect them. And that value of a shared mind um, is, is is really valuable, you know, mm. by, by connecting them together. I think I think that's where we're trying to go with that clip, which is saying, okay, well, once you've connected it as a team, your brains, so to speak, <laughs> once you're sharing the ideas in a more efficient way, the results are going to be much, much greater. You're going to have a great apartment in Sydney, while I'm on holiday, day
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I look I, I, I'll, I'll be serious for just a moment here the 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 incredible uh thing is that when we get together as co-workers as colleagues and we come prepared to be open curious and collaborative amazing things can happen and I think what what um they're making the case for is that folks um, need to remember that if you have that spirit, um, you can totally come together in a meeting, you can um, bring your ideas, I bring my ideas, and it is all going to come to one plus one equals three. And I, I really do believe that, don't you?
1: Yeah, I do. I do combining all of those together. I feel like we're we're gonna go and achieve that wildest ambition to go and be successful and be the best version.
0: Yeah, yeah because because think about it, uh, it's impossible to have all of the ideas yourself as an individual. Because even from the worst case, I'm going to try and pitch it. Is from the worst case perspective, at least someone finds a few things to improve in your idea, like at least. Wow. Um, nice. or, or maybe if your idea's got a few flaws in it, they can help you polish it up. That's the worst that can happen. The best thing that could happen is that they could go, that's really good, but imagine if you did this on top of that and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's such a good idea. That's exactly what she's pitching us right there. That is the mindshare economy where you get together and one plus one equals three.
1: Exactly, exactly. And this next clip, Mike, is taking us an even step further. You know, we've just heard a little bit about this definition and how we can work better as a team with this mind share economy. But the fact in my mind still remains is, okay, well, how do we actually put that into action? Because you're right, sharing an idea is a great way of building upon it. But first, I think we need to adjust perhaps our strategy towards communication and the way that we describe um, ideas to people. So this next clip that we've got is how we can learn to adapt our our behavior in order to be more productive as a team.
2: Especially in meetings, what you start to notice is first more self-awareness with this for your own thinking. So when you find yourself slightly checking out or you're going into a wider state, if you're trying to generate ideas in meetings, that's good you know, because this is where insight happens. But if you're trying to come up with a very specific marketing plan or you, you, you need this more focused alert state of attention, you may start fidgeting. And it may be actually better for you to get up and wander around the room because that'll help you remain alert and focused. For another person, actually writing or actually being up on a flip chart really helps them stay focused. But what happens is we meet around these long tables and we think talking back and forth, taking individual notes instead of one big collective visual, not allowing the space in order to move, that that's the best way to pay attention. When in fact, the more diversity that we can have in any meeting room, and often best decisions are made on a walk and talk with someone because you'll actually get them in a different state. And so it's, it's, there's specific things you start to notice about someone else, but the most important thing is just to shift the different state of attention or input if it's not working. So if you notice that you keep telling someone that, and they're not doing or, or responding to you verbally – Send them an email, send them a tag. Mm -hmm. These are very simple things or ask them to go on a walk because by shifting that one state of attention or that mode of communication, you are going to get a different result.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? I think the real lesson she's pointing out here is when it's not working, shift the types of attention. So if you're in focus mode, move to sorting. If you're in sorting and it's not really working and you're like, guys, this isn't happening, let's go to open. So that's quite an interesting, uh, when you're at a kind of, when you're stuck, when you're at a Mm. logger jam, move the type of attention.
1: Yeah. For me, you know, the previous clip that we'd heard was the value of the mindshare economy. And to your point, sharing an idea only can make it better. You know, we get Mm -hmm. more input, perhaps we plug some of the holes that we didn't notice at the time. And here it's okay. Well, once you've accepted, um, the benefit of sharing an idea, okay, well now play to your audience, you know, Mm. Mike, you know, you and I collaborate very regularly and it comes semi-natural to us in the the way that we do it. But, you know, for me, I quite like when we go for a walk and maybe we're Mm. talking about an idea out and about because i'm getting that visual stimulation we're getting maybe that form of exercise when we're stretching our legs getting the blood pumping and that's great and i think it's i think that clip there is is telling us okay well once you've accepted the benefit of doing it make sure to be aware of who you're asking for that little bit of assistance a little bit of point of view and try your hardest to um I suppose the next level, the next clip, which should really be how you accept it. (laughs) Once you've got the mindshare economy, you know, the benefits of it, you've perhaps adapted your, your behavior, whether it's yourself or those around you, allowing them to behave in that way. Mm -hmm. I guess the next hardest bit perhaps is taking that criticism or taking that, that feedback.
0: Yeah. I think we have to be a bit playful here. Like, um, just play around with your, um, you know, your different types of attention, whether you're focused, sorting or open. Um, And look, a note to everyone listening, we will have this all in the show notes. So you can return to it um, and kind of think more about this because it really is, it's so damn new. I mean, for such an important thing. I mean, in the end, Mark, the capacity to think is what makes the human race unique. Our cognitive powers mean we can build rocket ships when no other species has. So isn't it funny how little time we spend on it? And where this is an interesting parallel once again for the moonshots is that when you think about, you know, collaborative intelligence and thinking together, it is just the next door neighbour to what we talk about a lot, which is mindset, working on your mindset, being strong in the mind. And isn't it fascinating how these, in the search of excellence, in the pursuit of moonshots, how what is revealed to us that your mindset and how you think about how you think are such crucial things to not only doing amazing things, but to becoming the best person we can possibly be to becoming the best version of ourselves.
1: Exactly. Because maybe your behavior, your way that you collaborate, your moonshot thinking and your mindset is as unique as your fingerprint. You know, everybody's totally. got different backgrounds and educations and experiences. And gradually as we're exploring more and more of our authors and entrepreneurs and, and individuals who've set up businesses and played great sports games we're starting to see these traits aren't we Mike of Mm. how you do work better as a team and I think this teamwork series has really demonstrated to us a number of different ways to recognize those skills with those around Mm -hmm. us as well as ourselves in order to make a really good impact when we do come together and collaborate with those around us
0: yeah and and it's interesting isn't it that there once again there's seems to be some some really clear um models that we can use this idea of that we can think in three ways our attention comes in three ways um this I find this very helpful in not only understanding myself but I think that the call to action that um this book collaborative intelligence um by uh, Adorna Markova and Angie MacArthur, I think what they're really saying to us is, like, kind of wake up. These are the skills of the twenty first century people. Like, come on, exactly. It's 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 unavoidable
1: now, and it's something again. Like we were saying at the beginning of the show, we've all taken it for. I, I believe I have at least taken a little bit for granted. And if we can learn how to valuably think collectively especially in a world now where we're all on Zoom, we're all on Webex, whatever it might be, we're all collaborating around and around the world. This mindshare economy is more valuable than ever. And we've got one final clip, Mike.
0: We've got, Ooh, we've got one okay. final clip
1: from Donna and Angie to round out our show on collaborative intelligence. We've learned about ourselves. We've learned about working as a team and communicating things efficiently to one another. This final clip we've got is what can you and I, Mike, learn from collaborative collaborative intelligence today to go and action it right now?
2: You know, we all have to start being more courageous because when we interview people, talk to people all over the world, the number one complaint people have is the boring, unproductive, useless meetings, whether they're on the phone or live. And so even naming, okay, nothing personal against anyone here, but I don't think we're all... Using our full capacity. What do people need in order to think better? Just even inviting that question into the middle and start taking care of yourself. And it, it does require being brave and saying, you know, it really helps me to think on my feet. We worked with Ted Turner. He doesn't have a desk in his office. He wanders around. In a hierarchical company, we may have thought he was, you know, hyperactive. Hyperactive. Um, so we need to you know, start breaking some rules, be a little braver because the essence of this is when you are using and your mind, as Donna said, it's like water. We know, it; we call it the flow state. When your mind is going from here to here to here and you're having insights and then you're really productive, you're in the flow state. And the more that we each understand what creates that for ourselves and then mimic those conditions as often as possible, we're gonna be the guy that, or the gal at the top anyway. Um, but it does require sort of bringing this awareness to, to others. And so, and, uh, you know, as I said, the millennials that I just work with, this is how they want to walk. They're, you know, every coffee shop is now full of people interacting, working with one another in different ways. So they are anxious, they're dying, you know, what did they call it, death by cubicle? I mean, all these different, mm-hmm. you know, ways. And
3: so. The, the thing I want to add about that, Is we, I I worked one time with the CEO of Chrysler and his senior leadership team, and we were talking about this information. And during the break, and only during the break, this woman came up to me and said, you know what you said about kinesthetic and some people need to move? She said, that's me. I can't pay attention unless I'm moving. Um, I said, great, but how come this whole meeting you've sat in the chair? And she said, well, everybody else did. I couldn't, I just couldn't get out of the chair. Even knowing I need to do it, I just couldn't get out of the chair. We have been taught to think about ourselves in terms of you got 12 wrong on the spelling test, not you got eight right. So we, as a culture, have very little compassion for our own differences. And when your system, when your system goes, I need to move, I can't move, the boss is in the room, nobody's moving, then you keep pushing it down and pushing it down. And we call that despair. We call that depression. Because we are literally pressing down our needs to be productive, to be engaged, to connect. 85% of your brain, 86, 87, uh, nobody knows exactly, is devoted to connecting with other people.
0: Wow, that is such a powerful clip because what it just reminds us of is we are social animals that are unique because we think and that's why collaborative intelligence matters so much, right?
1: Yeah. It matters so much because it matters so much because if you're brave enough to say to those around you, your teammates, "Hey, this is the best way that I work." Um I want to also learn about how you want to work. We can therefore take a step forward from a productivity perspective. We can work better. We can work smarter. And we have more of that emotional intelligence that Patrick Lencioni was telling us.
0: Well, it wasn't it crazy as she was describing this woman who can only think when she's moving around and she just sat in the in the room for two hours and how that's such a constraint of her potential. Isn't that, I mean, that's pretty striking image, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Pretty striking because it's, um, it, it you know, it's probably true with a lot of us, yeah. probably true with a lot of us. And maybe we don't know it yet, or maybe we know it, but we don't want to tell people. And it's so hard to do that right now specifically moving around is harder to do when you've got yeah. a laptop that you're sort of anchored to. Um, it is so as we move into the next year, we move away or we close out the teamwork series the call to action, I think, for us is how can we all be aware of the way that we work, um, our mm-hmm. mind states, our flows, our states of attention, and begin from this afternoon onwards embracing mm-hmm. that as our as our productivity um, targets
0: so what's the what's the thing um, that you're going to do after this? Are you going to try and um, delve more into the attention modes or the different thinking modes.
1: I think I'm going to move into the uh, the attention modes. Actually, mm. I think I think exploring a little bit more in the uh, the visual, auditory, um, kinesthetic approach and questioning. Okay, well, where do my customers and clients sit, and how can I best make use of their time? For me, Mike, that's where I'm gonna. That's where I'm gonna be. What do you? What about you? What are you taking there?
0: Yeah, I, I do. I I would like to spend some time there. I mean, I, I feel pretty comfortable in the, in the way I think, but the attention piece could be a big unlock, couldn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the focus, the open, the sorting, these are, are pretty new to me as well. And I think they're going to help us be more productive and be those best version of ourselves.
0: Yeah, nice. Well, don't forget, everyone. You can um, pop along to moonshots.io and get to the bottom of open versus sorting versus focus, or auditory versus visual, versus kinesthetic. Um, wow, Mark. Thank you. Was that good? Oh, what a what a great uh, close to the teamwork series, Mike. It was, and what was so good is we mixed it up from Lencioni to Abby, now to Collaborative Intelligence. I mean, we went full spectrum on teamwork. We
1: went
0: went pretty deep.
1: We went pretty deep into behaviors and mindsets, and I I thoroughly enjoyed
0: it. Yeah, me too. Well, Mark, thank you to you, and thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us on this journey where we listen out loud, where we went very, very deep into... The idea of teamwork. And from Lencioni to Abby Wambach to Collaborative Intelligence by Donna Markova and Angie MacArthur, boy, did we get some messages. And today the message was don't waste your intellectual cap- capital because this is the very currency of the 21st century. So let's say goodbye to death by a cubicle. Let's trigger our attention. Let's open up. Let's sort. Let's focus and make sure that we understand how we think, whether it's auditory, visual or kinesthetic, we can do it. We can think better and we can do it a whole lot better if we do it together. And when you're really trying to think together, when you're trying to build collaborative intelligence, just change it up. If you're a little stuck, it's okay. Go out, break some rules, because in the end, you'll need to take a little bit of courage. Don't hide from different thinkers, different thoughts. Embrace it. And if you do that, I promise you, you'll be in that flow state and you'll be in that flow state together with your peers and your colleagues being the very best version of yourself. That's it from the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.